You're listening to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast by Grace Bible Church in Cambridge, Ontario, dealing with topics of life and theology, and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy-laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Well, welcome back to Gospel-Centered Rest, where we seek to take the truths of the gospel, apply them to everyday life, and encourage Uh, one another in those truths to find rest and security in Christ and the cross and what he accomplished through the gospel. It is good to be back with you, David, and to be talking about these truths, and in particular, discussing 1 Peter chapter 4, which you had preached on this past Sunday. And this past Sunday, we discussed about maintaining constant love and what that looks like. And in verse 1, we see Peter write this of chapter 4, Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. And so this question comes up of Peter's armor from this verse. David, would you mind just taking a moment and expounding on Peter's armor in this verse? Yeah, and thanks again, Tyler, for... Uh, leading this conversation. It's interesting because we never actually made it to maintain constant love. (laughs) Um, And so we hope to do that this coming week. But Mm -hmm. I found what was interesting, and that's why I actually kept the title, is because when you look back on verses 1 through 6, you see um, how difficult it is to maintain constant love. Mm -hmm. Um, This is really the battleground. And um, what, what what's interesting in what Peter does is if we're to maintain constant love, in other words, if we're to get to verse seven, then we're going to have to wrestle through verses one through six. Yep. And that means that we're going to need to put on some armor. And so if we were to, I mean, if you were to ask me or lots of others, we would say, well, what is the armor of God? And mm-hmm. I think our minds immediately go to Ephesians and that great passage where, you know, our battle's not against the flesh and blood, but against the powers and, and all of that. And then we think of the armor that um, Paul, Paul talks about from Isaiah mm-hmm. and the Psalms. And we think, okay, that's the armor. But Peter does something very similar where he says, arm yourselves. So we're going to put on some armor Um, also with the same understanding, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. Mm -hmm. That is some heavy armor to carry. And and really, it's some some difficult armor to carry. Because I think what Peter's doing is Mm -hmm. he's saying, we need to have a theology of suffering, Mm -hmm. or we need to have an... So when suffering comes at us, what understanding do we carry through with... um, um, as we travel through our, our suffering. And I think that's what blindsides so many of us. Uh, we enter a time of suffering. Maybe it's the suffering that Peter's talking about, being slandered as Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, or as we'll read later on at the end of verse uh, chapter 4 of First Peter, just suffering um, because Christ suffered or suffering because we live in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. So that armor, just having that insight, Christ suffered, we will suffer, um, and Christ's suffering in identifying us with his suffering then will give us hope and assurance that as Christ suffered and he experienced glory, so we suffer as Christ suffered, giving us confidence that one day we will experience glory. It will be worth it. That's so good. Uh, when you think about it, and you've, you've talked about this throughout 
throughout our study in the book of First Peter, but Peter is just, he's so honest about suffering, and he's so honest about the Christian's experience with suffering mm-hmm. and with sin, but he always brings it back to the gospel, that the gospel is the answer to sustain us through this life of difficulty, this life of, of even tragedy at times. Yeah, and if, if I can just add, yeah. I think that's why First Peter is such a frustrating book sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see this again a little later on in, in chapter 4, but it's, First Peter tells us all these gifts from God. In fact, like the first chapter, like these are the mercies mm-hmm. of God in Christ. And then um, along the way, just, I mean, even what we looked at in chapter 3 where Peter... Um, talks about Christ dying once for all the unrighteous, for the righteous to draw us near to God. So you have all of these blessings. And so you think, okay, we're going to live a blessed life. I mean, Mm. this is going to be a fantastic life. But at the very same time, there's so much suffering. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so hard for us to grasp is it's that we don't always have a theology of suffering, how to suffer well. But at the same time, there's so many blessings we just think, the way that the blessing will come out is through um, good times or whatever it might be. But Peter actually says, when you're suffering, you're blessed. And mm-hmm. that's why mm-hmm. it's, it can be hard. Like, we, do, we just don't think like that. Right before this, uh, you had made this connection, too, on Sunday. You touched on it briefly, but right before chapter 4, uh, Peter talks about baptism and how our baptism represents our, our union with Christ and our commitment to the gospel now. And I can't help but think about in the context of suffering, that that's kind of the same thing. Like we're suffering in this world, in the flesh, mm-hmm. and it's pointing towards our union with the one who ultimately suffered on our behalf. Yeah. And I'm reminded of Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, when Paul says that my goal is to know him, mm-hmm. being Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Uh, being conformed to his death. So just love how 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 the gospel um, is just represented even in the midst of our suffering. Yeah. And again, it's it's why baptism is so important um, in in uh, the teaching of scripture because um, you can't go under the water and not come up. Right. They're they're just connected. And I think that's um, Baptism is part of our theology of suffering, and it, it presents it in a picture form where we have died with Christ, and we will suffer with Christ, mm-hmm. but we will be risen with Him. Amen. And that's the, that's, that's the hope that we have to hang on to when we're going through deep suffering. Mm-hmm. Now, off the, top of your, off the top of your head, is there a book that you would suggest to, um, to people to read that, that might help form a theology of suffering. Uh, obviously, reading the Bible yeah. is important, yeah. but maybe there's a book out there that helps um, guide you through uh, your understanding of suffering a little bit. Yeah, I think one of, the, um, uh, one, of the, one of the books that I recommend often is How Long a Lord by D.A. Mm-hmm. Carson. Um, and, and he does just a tremendous job of dealing with Scripture, dealing with some of the hard questions, um, and also he's very pastoral right. uh, throughout the book. And I, I think, um, and, and he, but he also says some hard things. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't saying some hard things, then, uh, I, I, then that doesn't allow us to wrestle through that. Um, and then um, Johnny Erickson Tata's book, is it When God Weeps? 
Um, yeah, I believe so. I think that, and that's another one. Yeah. I mean, because she has suffered, uh, and so she speaks with with a deep understanding of her relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. but also, um, and, and listening to so many other people's stories that write into her and, and just express their suffering. Um, I, I think she does she does an amazing job that way. Fantastic. Um, and moving just kind of along through the passage here, Peter uh, chapter chapter four, down to verse three, we see Peter's definition of sin. Now, would you take a moment and just talk about that a little bit, uh, but what Peter says there and the significance in this context? Yeah, I... The, Peter is, I mean, he just tells us timeless truths. Mm-hmm. And to the way that he explains the world in which we live, and you can see so clearly why God's people will just be a suffering people. And so it, um, in, in verse 3, it says, For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires. <laughs> And that is such an, a profound, like we, we often think of, um, and, and he'll actually talk about it, but we think of um, sins in very specific ways. But what's right. behind the sin? Well, we know the heart, but what's, what's the heart wrestling with? We, we just want to be unrestrained. Mm-hmm. We want to be set free. Mm-hmm. And that's why we live in a culture, and it's not just out in the culture, it's in the church, and this is the battle of our hearts, that we just want to do as we please. Mm-hmm. We, we want to be free in our own way, according to our own um, impulses and according to our own desires. And so Peter just, he just captures our society and he says, do you want to know why you're going to be slandered? Because you're, you've spent enough time there. You're not going back there. Um, and into this, um, unrestrained, um, behavior, uh, or these evil desires basically saying, um, I want, it feels good. Um, everyone else is doing it. Um, but then what I also thought was interesting was that's exactly my battle. Hmm. Um, I just, I, I just want to um, often just do my own thing hmm. apart from God's word. That's the battle that wages in my heart. And so um, it, it's so universal. Um, we're not, we don't want to spend time there, but it's not, it's not like the Christian can step back and say, well, that's a, that's a Gentile problem or that's an unbelieving unbeliever's mm-hmm. problem. That's my that mm-hmm. that I, I need to know that, so that it brings us back to verse one, which is, um, it's finished. I, I should be done with this sin, um, and and that's such a rallying cry. And sometimes, when you're really battling with sin, you just need a short phrase to help yeah. you through it, yeah. to to remind you of, like just a simple phrase to remind you of a great truth, and that is, I'm done with sin. In Christ, I'm done with sin. He suffered, Amen. he was done with sin. Um, I suffer, the goal is I'm done with sin. I love that. That's so important <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, to think about, to reflect on as as we do struggle and we do battle these things and these evil desires that, that creep up. Uh, we do have the power through through what Christ has done on the cross to be able to say no to sin. And we are done with sin because of what Christ has accomplished Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, the next, the next thing that we're going to talk about is the gospel gap. Now, on Sunday, you mentioned this at the beginning of your sermon in your introduction. Can you explain what the gospel gap is and how this passage 
speaks to the gospel gap. Yeah, I gave an illustration from how people change from uh, Paul David Tripp and, and Timothy Lane. And he talked about a marriage where um, the gospel wasn't, their gospel confession wasn't, um, or the husband's confession wasn't connecting with real life. Mm-hmm. And so when they explain the gospel gap, they explain it as um, the gospel having meaning and significance when we're first saved. Now, that for some people, that might be a day or a moment. For other people, that might be a period of time, and then they come to acknowledge that they're saved. They've repented, and they've put their faith in Jesus, so their sins mm-hmm. are forgiven. And then the gap is, it basically, um, it basically goes to glory, to when we die. And so we will be received. Uh, we will go to heaven. But the gap is this almost, how, how does the gospel apply to our everyday life? Yeah. And so I think that, um, in my understanding, the gap is experienced in at least two ways. There's probably more ways, but at least two. First of all, we think we're saved by, by grace, but we live by works. Hmm. So we're going to do our best. So you see a lot of people just getting frustrated and discouraged because they, they know that they should be a better Christian. Um, but, and then they begin to doubt whether they are a Christian. So the gospel gap happens because we also have to understand we live by grace. But the gospel gap also exists because the gospel impacts every corner of our life or every corner of our heart. So it's not just that we live by grace, but there's so much of the gospel that is relevant. So in the, in the illustration that he gives of Phil and Ellie, um, he just talked about, or they just talked about um, the, there was a gap in how he would express love hmm. or how he would expe- express grace or even just joy. Hmm. And, and that becomes an expression of the gospel in marriage but if we're, if we're without the gospel, you won't find the same kind of love, the same kind of joy, mercy, grace, wisdom, mm-hmm. all of that. So what would be your advice to somebody who, who recognizes that there is a gospel gap in their own life, that the theology that I know is not connecting to my experience and what I'm doing? Um, how would you m- connect the two uh, to bridge the gap, I guess? Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the most profound ways is, uh, actually like even just starting with the life of Jesus Mm. and see how he, like you go through Matthew, the the sermon on the Mount, um, he talks about, you know, he begins with this poor in spirit, this utter poverty before God works his way all the way down to persecution and then begins to lead us through just life Mm. and how life changes. And so, and, and then you could even think of um, chapter four here, like sin is finished. Mm-hmm. I'm done with sin. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what verses one through six is about, actually verses one through 11. Um, and in some ways you can just say the entire scripture is, why did Jesus do all of this? Well, in chapter four, he's connecting the gospel with real life. Sin is finished. You're done. You're no longer going back there. Um, now you're going to, and this is Peter's prayer, in chapter four, constant love, Hmm. um, hospitality, just being a welcoming person, Hmm. using your gifts to serve others. Um, that's the gospel. Um, and once you begin to see it, it, you see it all over the place. Hmm. You just begin to see how, how relevant the gospel is. And it's really in a sense, the wisdom and the power of God being lived out in our life. Wonderful. And 
what a what a better way than to lead into our next question, um, which is going to be our final our final point of discussion for this uh, podcast here today. But verse six it says, "For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that although you might be judged in the flesh according to human standards." They might live in the spirit according to God's standards. David, what does this verse yeah. mean? Right? Such a good, and, and I think this is one of the hardest battles is the world is going to tell us to despair. Mm-hmm. And that like, um, even in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, it starts by saying that the, the whole reason that this book is written is to give us hope. Because Peter's so profound um, into a living hope verse three of chapter one. Um, The whole reason this book is written is because you you live in a world, and I think what this verse specifically means is Peter is just referring to slander. So you're not going to live the same way that they live. They're going to look at that. You're not going to go into the same flood of wild living. Interestingly, he uses the word flood, and he just talked about Noah a little Mm -hmm. earlier. So why aren't you going to, because you know, you know the flood of verse five, that we're going to stand before a living God. Mm -hmm. But Verse six, you can just imagine the slander of people saying, uh, so you talk about this Christ and all this blessing we talked about a little earlier, like all these blessings and now you're suffering. Well, I'm not going to join up with Christ if I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be called to suffer. Or somebody says, well, look at all the believers dying and they're saying, they're talking about eternal life. Mm-hmm. Well, if they die and I'm going to die, then why would I ever put my faith in Christ? And so the church and believers can begin to listen to that and say, um, man, according to human standards, uh, the gospel means nothing. The gospel is just going to fail me. But this is what this is what hope looks like. They might live in the spirit. So we die, yeah, but even though we die, we live. Hmm. And we live in the spirit to God's standards. And God's standards are found and met in Christ. So Here's a world that's slandering us and saying, you know, God's a failure. It's kind of like in the Old Testament, you know, Moses pleading with God and saying, but God, everybody will see you a certain way. Like you couldn't lead you can't lead the people out of Israel. But in the New Testament, we come along and um, the hope is that we live according to or we're found um, living in the spirit according to God's standards. Mm-hmm. God is faithful. So one of the greatest battles, which is despair and hopelessness, um, verse six is used to say um, there's life and the world may not see it, but the, but believers um, understand it to be true. Very good. Thank you for your time, David, today. And I look forward to discussing a little further what it means to be in constant love. Because as, as you said earlier, these first six verses really do set the stage for verse seven, yeah. which is coming up next week. Yeah, so. and I, I feel bad because it would have been such a nice, the, the, two, the two portions fit mm-hmm. so well together. Right. Like this is kind of like the junk. You got to right. get through the junk. Like don't live mm-hmm. like you used to live. And mm-hmm. so the, the next question is just automatically, well, how do I live? And he first of all talks about prayer. It's mm-hmm. going to be by grace all God's power. And then he just says, constant love, which we can, we can love every once in a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But it's kind of like a roller coaster, right? But he says, you know, it's just pray for constant love. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Good. Thanks, Tyler.